Happy Friday. It's July 21st, 2023. I am at Joel Pearl. It's time to get in the weeds as we do here on Fightful Overbooked. We're here Mondays. We're here Wednesdays. We're here Fridays. We give you your dose of wrestling news like none other. And who is we? I'm here. And I've also got Mr. Kick himself. Jeremy Lambert's here. I love that you pick it up right. right like if you're watching on video, the, the, the t-shirt and your, your name tag, just they match up perfectly. I am the kick god, Joel Pearl. You know, we got the kick demon at 11. I, I've dubbed myself the kick god. My goodness. Well, we're going to have to have a conversation about that because I don't know if the kick demon is going to be such a big fan of you being the kick god. Uh, but yes, Janai Kai is going to be joining us at 11 a.m. Eastern. So in about an hour, uh, talking about the Smash Wrestling Can USA Classic. It's this Saturday, July 22nd in London, Ontario. Uh, Janai's facing Lufisto. Spoiler alert, it's not the first time they've matched up, but every time they have, it's been something else. So I'm looking forward to having that chat with Janai at 11 a.m. Come and join us and stick with us here because let's face it, Jeremy and I have plenty to talk about, whether it's in or out of the ring we're going to be talking about it, aren't we? What's right? happening out of the ring? I don't know. It's, oh, I know what's happening out of the ring. Casey Navarro's on a boat. Happy birthday to him. It's his 24th birthday today. Casey Navarro is 24 years old, and he's doing this well. It's very, it's amazing to see, but it makes me question certain things I've done in my life. Okay. <laughs> Do you think Casey Navarro is drinking Santana Champ because it's so crisp? Got his swim trunks and his flippy flops, flipping burgers. You at Kinko straight flipping copies, riding dolphins, doing flips and bleep because it's before five o'clock. So I don't want to get us demonetized. Dolphin splashing, getting everybody wet, but it ain't Sea World. He's on a boat, mother bleeper. It's on a boat. Do you ever forget? I think. If not all of those things, he is maybe wearing a nautical-themed Pashmina Afghan. That's what he's going to do. Anyway, happy birthday, to, happy birthday to Casey. He's a, a one-time interviewee on this channel. So uh, he's, he's a great kid. Looking forward to having him back. That's a very famous interview, I believe, as it is featured in his uh, documentary that, that came out last night. So that's a... You know, that's a that's a big interview. I feel like it, it, we're not hyping it up enough of how famous this interview actually is. That's true. It's a good point. Warrior Wrestling did release an interview, uh, not an interview, a documentary on Casey Navarro and his championship run so far. And yeah, we we definitely played a role in that. So here we are. Look at us, Jeremy. Look at us. We're we're are, famous. Are we? Um, you know, are we responsible? For Casey Navarro being the Warrior Wrestling World's champion. I feel like that's, you know, we we deserve credit. We're partial champions. If Matt Cardona can claim partial credit for any title that Chelsea Green has, I feel like we should be able to claim partial credit for any title that Casey Navarro has. I think that's fair. We can be partially blessed, Joel and Jeremy. Oh, that's that's a that's a marketing idea. We got right there. Yeah, I feel like you can market that. The partially blessed. Like, nobody can be fully blessed like Casey Navarro, but you can be partially blessed. I like this. Let's pitch this to Casey. Let's get him back on the show and yeah. pitch this partially blessed. While he's on that boat celebrating, now that he's having a good time, I think now's the time where he'll give you just about anything. It's like it's like asking Mr. Burns for stuff while he's on ether. <laughs> <laughs> Should I message... 
should I message Casey and be like, Hey, want to come on our show from the boat and let us know what, what you're doing? Are you like Leo? Uh, no, that didn't end well for him. Uh, <laughs> He's going to draw me like one of his French girls. It's okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Sounds> awful. <laughs> Shout out Casey Navarro. Hope he has Absolutely. a good birthday. Yeah, so we got plenty to talk about today. We're gonna talk about uh, we're gonna talk about blood and guts. But here's the thing about that: we're gonna talk about it. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about the match. But I feel like a lot of people have talked about the match. Jeremy gave his perspective on the spotlight this past week on Fightful.com on the uh, the main YouTube channel with Stephen Jensen. Go check that out along with their their interview with uh, Jeremy Padauer. Uh, I always pronounce it Padauer, but I guess uh, it's Padauer. Yeah, it's Padauer. Anyway, it's a great interview. Go check that out on the spotlight. Uh, and he gave his thoughts on blood and guts. So we're not going to go too deep into that. But instead, I want to talk about MJF and Adam Cole. And then I want to switch over tonight on SmackDown. We had the rules of engagement for Roman Reigns and Jay Uso. We're going to talk a little bit about that, what that means or what it doesn't mean. They're airing on FS1 tonight. So that's another talking point for us uh, with WWE and SmackDown tonight. And Is course, it? Yeah, a little bit in terms of like, in terms of how important they make the show, because while we don't care so much about the ratings, there is certainly a conversation piece about FS1 versus Fox and the numbers they produce. Uh, in a good way, though, because the last couple of rounds, we've seen an increase when they've aired on FS1. Not to the same degree that Fox is airing and getting those numbers, but if we see an, inc- an increase on FS1, we might be seeing you know some better news on the horizon in terms of the uh, TV rights talks with WWE. All right. Fair. And also death by dishonor is tonight. Ring of honor is apparently having a pay-per-view in Trenton, New Jersey. Didn't know about this. Uh, Kota Bushi is not unfortunately going to challenge for the ring of honor world championship. My guy uh, so Kota no. kicking people. <laughs> That's how he gets out of everything. Just walks over and kicks you. It doesn't run over. He just, he just saunters over and kicks you in the face. <laughs> That's what he does. Anyway. Kota rules. I mean, we're, we're not going to talk about, blood and guts too much uh unfortunately coda not his best showing in that match made made more fans i think just taking a thumbtack bump after the match that, that people were talking about than anything he did in the match yeah not coda's best showing there but whatever Kota bushi still rules him and janelle is still one of my favorite matches from this year that match is great do you think he knew that he didn't have his best showing and this was kind of his his make good to be like crazy idiot coda that people love Oh, by doing uh, the thumbtack bump, yeah, the match, yeah. Like it wasn't it wasn't on TV, but you know, obviously these things get around on social media and everything. So I don't know. Do you think there's a possibility that he was just like, eh, that wasn't my best? He did. He obviously, doesn't know in the moment with the crowd reaction, but he at least maybe has an idea whether or not he did well to his own standard. You think maybe that played I, a role? I think he knew it wasn't his his best when he slipped throwing that kick uh, when Omega threw the the V trigger on there i think he knew probably then like oh isn't, isn't going too well uh maybe maybe he thought like oh yeah this this wasn't great let me do something wacky uh but i also just think that's kota Bushi of like ah even if i had this great match let me still just take this thumbtack bump because i did not get to take any wild and crazy bumps in this match i think kota understands what his level is and i'm sure he probably understands that no that probably wasn't his best level. Uh, but I don't know if the, the him doing the thumbtacks afterwards was a make good or anything. I think it probably, I mean, Amuga said he'll probably be back in AEW anyway. I think we'll see him back. I think we'll see him in a more, just a better environment for him, which is where he can play with elements a little bit more in a cage. 
I'm not saying Coda like is is constricted in this, but technically everybody's constricted. You're in a cage. It's two rings, which is nice, but there's also nine other guys in this ring. There's tables laying around, chairs laying around, tacks, glass, thumbtacks, uh, bed of nails. Like you got a bunch of stuff laying around. Like you just can't you can't move as much. Everybody's a little uh, constricted in that environment. Coda plays better when he can be a little bit more free and he can climb to the second uh, story of, of the building and then jump, uh, jump off of there and do moonsaults and stuff. So I think we'll see Coda back doing, you know, where he's a little bit more free and out there and he'll, he'll have a little bit more fun. Put him in an anarchy in the arena. He would have been much better in that environment. I think that's true. I think honestly, what would be fun is he, uh, he goes to London he works all in and he jumps off of the double decker buses and all of the the London UK esque set pieces that Tony inevitably brings in for that show, right? It's gonna be the the red phone booths, and he's gonna have, like I said, the double decker buses. He's gonna jump off of one of those King's Guards with the big hats. He's just gonna he's gonna get one of those hats and use it as a spear. Oh my goodness, I'm already booking the best code of spots imaginable for London. And the UK friends are just like, I hate you so much, Joel. I hate you so much. I get it. I, I, I'm all for Coda in London doing some crazy stuff in, in Wembley off of buses with spears. Did you see that Will Ospreay? He had the kendo stick and was ninjing with that thing. Uh, this was, um, uh, during the G1 today when he's facing, facing Kenta, he was flipping around. I can't, I I can't do it. I used to be like halfway decent at nunchucks. Yeah. I just look like I'm, Though when gang signs out the window, you bish. Um, Kendrick Lamar reference. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, he was using the kendo stick at like a katana or whatever. And it's pretty sweet. Will Ospreay's got some ninja skills, man. Apparently so. By the way, speaking of skills, uh, leave a thumbs up on the video if you've got a minute because it's free and you got to do that. And also uh, subscribe to us here at Fightful Overbook because guess what? We are getting some numbers. Good numbers. So help those numbers climb and will beat the main channel and they want to get to 100,000. That's fine. I want to get this channel to 100,000 first. So tell your friends to uh, don't give me that look, Jeremy. We're Make a little behind. We're, We're starting a off a little behind. Here. We are the ultimate underdog story here at Fightful Overbook. Okay, we are going to do it. We are going to get there. If you tell your friends to tell two friends to tell like 2000 of their friends everyone's got friends look up whatever maybe you were on facebook once upon a time some people have like 2000 5000 friends on facebook tell all your friends to subscribe to us here at fightful overbook because a it's free and b we give you good amazing quality content also you can donate to super chat any amount gets your question or statement read on the air we appreciate it also helps to pay our contributors which i like doing so let us do that okay okay blood and guts let's keep going uh yeah very quickly i the match the match was fine the match was weirdly shot to me i think there were some things that i missed um i missed because cameras missed Mm. and as a result certain things were kind of lost in translation i'm a i'm a fan that at the end commentary at least cleaned up the fact that yuda wasn't the one who who submitted it was moxley doing it for yuda because moxley couldn't move uh and save him at the same time, I was like, well, that just ruined my Boston Commons comment from Wednesday as I tagged you in it. But instead, <laughs> Moxley's going to have to take a class at MIT. That's his penance. He's going to be like, guys, I screwed up. I feel so bad about giving up. So I'm going to go learn about robotics. Okay, I'll see you in a month. And that's how we get John Moxley off TV. Uh, yeah, that, that's kind of my general feeling about the match. It was fine. It wasn't the best blood and guts match ever. But uh, what was? There's only been three. 
I, I think the first one kind of set the precedent. And uh, I know everyone kind of harps on the uh, the Jericho, this Jericho spot at the end where he still, you know, goes down and it's a padding situation. But that was safety, whatever. The second one was was equally egregious because Sammy goes off the top and then the table is like 50 feet in the air because they have crash pads underneath. So, like, it's not better, but uh, in terms of the spot comparison. But I thought the first one kind of set the precedent. That was the good one. So that's uh, that's where I'm at. I don't know. Did you like one better than the other? Or did you think this was the best one? Or how would you feel? I, I liked this one. Like, I'm My memory's awful. So if I'm trying to compare it to last year or the year before, it's tough for me to recall everything on this. I feel like I remember liking last year the most. Um, I had some issue. There was the weird issue in, in the uh, first one where like they, they had some timing stuff with the commercials and Jericho was like hanging out on the steel pole for like five minutes because they weren't sure when they were coming back from commercial and everything. Um, I did like the finish on that one where MJF was just a complete dick. And then I, I like the finishes to all of them. Honestly, you got to get a little creative. With, with these finishes um i feel like i last year was my favorite i'd have to go back and again rewatch all this but i like this one i do agree with you as far as like some of the shots one of them was missing moxley you know quitting for the team for you to and the commentary to cover that the other one was like they finally had the big shot of like kenny and coda reuniting their like knee to knee and like they were gonna hug and then they cut to something else i don't remember what they cut to but i was like Wait, you got the shot of Kenny and Co. This is their first time like being face to face again. What are we doing cutting away from this? So they, they missed that one. Um, I'm sure there was other stuff that was that was missed because in, in a match like this, there's so many moving parts to it. It's just tough to catch a lot of things. But those are the two. You can't miss the finish. You just you can't. You gotta you gotta understand what's going on there. You gotta give the people what they want. You do. Right. I actually thought about that uh, line. We were watching Temptation Island last night. Fantastic show on the USA Network. It airs the same time as AEW Dynamite, so I can't watch it live. But they were they were showing these two people making out, and it was like a zoom in on like their faces making out and stuff. And then the cup, the other couple, the significant other is like watching her boyfriend make out with this other girl, and so they got the zoom in on the two faces making out, and then it zooms out and it's ass shot. And all I'm thinking is like, you gotta give the people what they want. I thought about putting like the Excalibur, thought about like clipping that and putting the Excalibur thing on that, but now I've spoiled it. Maybe I'll still do it, but yes. <laughs> I just, any zoom out shot, this is what I think of now. <laughs> or just the, the Okada, the Rainmaker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless Kevin Kelly and Excalibur for that matter. Chai Town Spurs ends a super chat saying, do you think Mike Mansuri has hurt AEW production? So those who may not know, uh, Mike Mansuri is the head of production for AEW. He came over from WWE where he was uh, very high up on the proverbial food chain there, basically second to Kevin Dunn, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the spiritual successor to someone who was not giving up the throne, so to speak. Uh, I don't think that Mansuri has hurt AEW I, uh, production. I think in a lot of ways it's gotten better and more cohesive. We talk about that moves list that came out last week and how it could uh, help to create an easier time for production, especially with coaches having conversations with each other and making sure that finishes are well discussed and well communicated to the back so that people like Mike and his team can get these finishes in time. Uh, that's very important to me. And also, I think this was the first time that Mansouri has worked an event like this. 
because I don't think he ever did war games, at least not in NXT when it was around. Yeah, uh, I don't think he was he was part of that production team, but uh, he um, he almost certainly didn't do the WWE ones because he was gone by then, or at least very close to. So, with that in mind, uh, your thoughts on Mike Mansoori and AW production? You are much more into the production side of things and would probably notice this stuff more than than I would. I don't think I'm the best gauge of like what's changed on that i know when they miss shots i know when they don't miss shots they still every company does if i'm being honest like you know how long has wwe kevin dunn been doing this and they've still missed some of the biggest moments of all time like every company just misses shots um like they, that still happens and i that's not a mansory thing or mansory thing that's just seeming what happens on this stuff. I think some of the stuff has been cleaned up. I think some of the stuff has been uh, shot a little bit better in terms of like the lighting, the, the crowd miking and and everything. But this is it. Yeah. If I'm being honest with everybody, not stuff that I pay a lot of attention to, or just catches my attention. I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. The lights are down. Fine. Awesome. Oh, they're shooting it this way. instead of that. Okay, cool. I did like the shot of Moxley, like sitting there dejected after having to quit. I, yeah, I don't, and I don't know fully like what Manzuri does in in everything, what he's directing, what he's leading, things like that. It's just it's not an expertise that that I'm I'm not an expert on that, and it's not a a subject that I pay a close amount of attention to. So I'm the wrong person to ask about this. Joel's much better at, at figuring and pointing those things out. My general feeling, and I think consensus, is Mike's not he's not the switcher. He's not the guy in the truck pressing, you know, when, when the director says camera one, camera eight, camera, whatever. Uh, Mike's not the one doing that. I don't even think he's the one calling that. He's really leading an entire team that does that. Uh, this was the same thing when, when people used to complain about Kevin Dunn and the camera cuts and everything. And it's like, it's not him. It's Kerwin's selfies because Kerwin is the director of the show. He's the one calling the camera shots. It's not Katie in his ear telling him what to do. Kevin was there to tie the communication between whatever's going on in the arena to where he's stationed in the truck. And it's the same situation, or at least very similar, with Mike Mansouri and what's going on in the arena. So him and TK may be back and forth because TK's, you know, head producing the show inside uh, and whoever's the coach for that particular match and so on and so forth. Um, there have been incremental changes in AEW's production, which have been, for the most part, pretty positive, in my opinion. Uh, and it's not just camera shots, but it's just like, just... Certain things like you pointed out, certain lighting, microphones. Uh, I, I've said this a hundred million times and I continue to say this. I think the smartest thing that AEW can do is when they do those backstage segments with the interviews, they, I, they've started figuring this out and I hope they continue to figure this out. You use an overhead boom mic to mic the scene, but the microphone that's in the reporter's hands, in this case, let's say it's Renee Paquette, uh, that's a dummy mic. It's not on. Or if it's on, it's mixed into the the overhead mic the overhead mic is supposed to be your main source of audio that's where you get everything that's why when you do it like this the roving reporter on the street it doesn't sound good it sounds gross quite honestly so it's better when you get an overhead mic that uh that mic kind of gets all the surrounding audio and it gets everyone in there uh so that's that's something that i think they've started working on at least i've noticed but yeah that's uh that's that's a big change and it's so so small but so incremental that it makes a difference uh, yeah, so that's where I'm at with the production. It's getting better. It's not perfect. They're only they're four years in as a company. I continue to give them some leeway. Um, but when I see change, I will point out the change. That's how I feel. 
And there you go. Again, Joel is much more of an expert on this stuff and takes much more notice to this stuff that, than I do. I just like watching people bleed and watching uh, guts as well. Still a lack of guts this year. I'm waiting for him to, to really go in on the guts. The blood's there. Three years now, haven't delivered on the guts. I thought, a little skeptical. I thought this would be the year with, when, they, when they bring out a bed of nails and they start with that. Let me tell you about John Moxley. This man on the the bed of nails thing, I swear he was like partially bleeding when he's like doing the bed of nail stuff to Omega. And then Ibushi's the next person out. And then Ibushi comes out and Moxley's standing across the ring from him as Ibushi is shoot punching everybody in the throat. And Moxley all of a sudden is completely bleeding all over his face and back. I'm convinced that John Moxley, as they shot Kota Ibushi's entrance, Moxley's like punching himself to bleed more to make it look even better. I respect Moxley's commitment to the blood bit. He is, he, he, they say blood. Moxley's like, gotcha guys. He probably is the one who's like, I'm going to do guts. And they're like, no, 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 John. We can't do that. Cowards. Let John Moxley spill guts. I'm fine with that. Let's get let's let's get John Moxley spilling guts. But anyway, um, maybe the guts are the friends we made along the way. <laughs> that, that meme will always pop me. And then uh, I see Ryan in the chat saying, "Jeremy, you said Joel's an expert. I think you mispronounced nerd." It's true. I went to school for this stuff, so I pointed out, and that's again why I listen to so many different Tom Dick and pundits. Uh, and yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, talking about wrestling. That's why. Because some of them have different points of view. Some of them come from the production world. Some of them come from a writing background. I want I want those ones. I want the people, I, you know, I don't, I know that we don't put Sean over on this show. I know we don't. But one of the reasons why I like hearing Sean's opinion on certain things is because he has experience in the ring. He has some training experience. And as a result, he can tell you certain things that maybe other people can't because he has had that experience. Uh, but I don't expect him to talk to me about the production values of the shows because he says it himself. He's not a tech guy, uh, despite how often I try to help him with that. It's just the way it goes. <laughs> hey, look, you got to be able to admit this stuff, right? I'm yeah, you, fully you play admitting. You play yeah. your strengths. Not a tech guy either. So not my, not my area of expertise. Going to turn you all into tech people. Nah. This is going to call in the tech going to be our new segment here on in the weeds absolutely not you got a bumper for that i could get one i've got another tech guy his name's tim he does great work yeah tech the weeds anyway why soluble sent us a super chat cheers and happy fridays guys hey happy friday to you why soluble i don't want to dwell on it too much but could you just remark on how superfluous the Britt baker match was what the hell was that tk and warner brothers discovery are so disappointing in that aspect okay i think it's worth bringing up because Leading into the event, there were no women's matches announced. Zero. Nada. Nothing. I was under the impression that they would run back the Taya match from from, uh, Battle of the Belts because guess what? We didn't see the finish. They didn't even address it. I'm sure that down the line they're going to because someone's going to be like, "Ah, okay, you know, it's probably worth it. But they bring out Britt Baker, who is like the plus delta, uh, so to speak, of that division. And uh, they put her in the ring for a minute and a half. And she has a, a you know, a, a quick match where she gets a win to get herself back on track for whatever she's doing next. Um, I love it. It did feel like it was a, oh, shit, we forgot. 
So we got to put a women's match in and it's going to be at 8.23 p.m. Is it a 9.23? Because at 9.23, we're going to have blood and guts going on. Um, overall, the, the match existed. This is a continuing, continuing story that we all have if we are fans of women's wrestling and just women in wrestling in general, that AW doesn't put a lot of emphasis on the women's division for whatever reasons. Uh, apparently they showed the finish and replay. Good for them. They didn't. I just wanted them to do something more than that. But either way, it just kind of happened. What do you think of the match? What do you think of the the idea that it was just kind of thrown onto the card? It was. I mean, they didn't announce anything beforehand. They said it at top of the show. Hey, Britt Baker's in action. And then she, you know, beats Kayla Sparks. And like she sparks Kayla in about 30 seconds. And that was that was it. It felt very much of like, hey, we didn't have a women's match. Here you go. Here's your women's match. I mean, it gets Brita win. That's a good thing, I guess. Um, truthfully, I I wish that they and this this might sound like not great of me, but I wish they didn't do the match. And I wish they did another segment or built up like Statlander's defending the the TBS title against Marina tonight. Give me a Chris Statlander video package and like talking about like her journey coming back a little bit. Like, I don't feel like that's been focused on enough on television. And maybe I'm just misremembering things because um, Rampage has been in such it, it's been its normal time slot. But I, I fully I was out of wrestling for a little bit with everything that happened at the beginning of June, which was right after uh, sort of right after Double or Nothing and the return uh, and everything. So maybe I missed like a focus feature on Chris Statlander. I still think you can do more with that. I probably would have shown the, the tie of finish and I probably would have done like a Statlander video package, maybe something on Marina. Cause I kind of forgot she was on the roster and now all of a sudden she's getting a TBS title shot. I would like, I know Statlander was in that backstage segment that was all about Darby and orange Cassidy. Like that didn't do a whole lot for her just hanging out. I would have preferred something like that over. Here's your 30 seconds. A women's match i would have preferred like an, just an outcast video package i would have preferred anything that furthered a feud along a little bit give me a willow and athena video package and build up their roh match i think that would have been a better use of time than like hey here's brit here's your hand platter women's match you can't say we didn't have women's wrestling on this show i i would have preferred like actual doing something with the women's storyline than just kind of appeasing the fan base, which it didn't actually appease the fan base because nobody wanted a 30 second women's match, but just like, Hey, now you can't say we didn't have a women's match. Like make the TV time more valuable by focusing on the stuff that is actually upcoming than trying to do a 30 second match just to do a 30 second match. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know what you also could have done? You could have made that Britt Baker match at least another minute by getting rid of one of those uh, Alex Marvez chases down Chris Jericho and Don Callis. Okay, sure. You make the match another minute, but like, does that help anybody either? It's a a squash match with no heat, no build just to give Britt a win. 
You're right. And, and, and that's the thing. I, I do largely agree with you that you could have pulled it and done something else. And I like the ideas of doing, doing some packages or just doing some sort of better hype for the TBS championship match that was going to be at the Royal Rampage show. Uh, by the way, Marina Shafir is like the Royal Rampage queen because she was on last year's show as well. <laughs> she didn't compete, but she accompanied Nyla Rose down for uh, a match against Tony Storm. Anyway, uh, yeah, th- it's, it could have been a lot better. And I, you, you you run this weird risk, and it's not really a risk. It's just the backlash that certain fans will have that if you do not have any women's match, like wrestling live representation, that is going to upset a certain fan base. If your match is too short, it's going to upset that same fan base. If the match isn't important, it's going to upset that fan base. Something meaningful is really what I think a lot of people are after. And a minute-long match can be meaningful if it plays into a larger story. So Marina Shafir maybe squashing Kayla Sparks and then being like, I hear there's an open challenge on Rampage this Friday. Well, guess what? I'm going to take that TBS championship. Chris Statlander, I'm going to beat your ass. Boom, look at that. We just booked Friday without having to randomly announce this thing. Uh, that's that's as easy as that. Could have done that. And I think a lot of people would have been like, okay, cool. I wish the match was longer, but at least we're building to some sort of match on Friday. Look at that. We just built it. TK, hire me. I'm with you. That would have been a, a better use. You're still doing a 30-second match, but at least Marina Shafir winning leads to her getting this title shot on Friday instead of announcing a match cold on here because this Brit victory, it's like, all right, cool. She she beat this one. Again, you give Brit a win. Great. But because you don't have rankings anymore and because you just do whatever you're doing with title shots and stuff like these random wins don't quite mean as much because they're just there aren't the ranking system anymore. So, yeah, I I would have just preferred a a story, a substance behind it. And if that means no match, if that means a a video package, if that means a a promo to set something up or like you, if, if that means you still do a short match, but it actually leads to something meaningful then that's what i would do um but yeah like you said you're in a you're in a no-win situation but you're in a no-win situation because your focus was on we got to do an hour for blood and guts we set up jungle boy uh dying by the hands of jack perry and hook and then we we set up um what's the match that, that i'm Oh, the, the tag team the match. Tag tags, yeah. yeah. We're, we're going to talk about it in, in pretty good detail in a second or at least yeah. the, the story so like those were your big three matches. All of those matches were going to get a lot of time. So you were cutting out the, the women's stuff just basically immediately because you had these big three matches on this show. And because of that, whether you just did nothing with the women, whether you did a short match like they did, whatever they did, people were probably going to be upset anyway. So to me, if you have that limited amount of time and you've designed to have that limited amount of time because your focus is elsewhere, use that limited amount of time on something meaningful. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Yeah, easy peasy. Could have done it, but unfortunately we got stuck with what we got stuck with. And, and again, I understand from the 
the Tony and co perspective in terms of like, Oh, we need the best ratings possible. And this is what will do it. Cause Britt Baker is very, you know, very important to the division, but also like, okay, I wouldn't Let's... be surprised. Hold on. I, I wouldn't be surprised quite honestly, in terms of like travel and bringing in people, they probably didn't bring in that many women for the whole show because you have only what three, four women. One's local. That's Kayla. And then you've got Brit and Brit's coming in with Adam, presumably, because, you know, they they're on the show together. So you bring them in, they work on you know, the work on the show. And then you have Chris Statlander come in and you have her opponent, Marina Shafir. What who else are you going to bring in at that point? Like, what, what are you going to do? It's, it's, well, that's, well, that's, a budget, that's a budget and travel conversation. That, okay, well, that's when I agree with you that have Marina do the squash match and then and then set up. But this is also where do a video package in that case. You're not bringing anybody in. Again, just use your television time to further something along instead of using your television time to act like, oh, we gave you your women's match. and But it's actually, it's a backhanded almost compliment of like, here, here's your women's match. It was 30 seconds. People are going to be mad about that regardless. Yeah. Okay, your point about focusing on Brit and ratings and stuff ain't drawing anybody extra because they announced a Brit Baker match 30 seconds into this show. No, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think people were calling their friends and be like, Hey, Brit Baker is going to be in action tonight. AEW all access super woman. Yeah. Britt Baker. Okay. Superstar. Britt Baker. I yeah, get it. I think it's more just that over the years, Tony has put a lot of, emphasis and um and hype behind brit and in a lot of ways she's delivered don't get me wrong and i just think that there's a trust there that continues to exist between tony and brit and that's fine as as a result um they put her out there because they were like well she is one of the crowning jewels of this division so here we are but again to your point and this is where i think you and i are largely in agreement uh didn't need to be that it could have been literally anything else that you and I just discussed, and it probably would have done uh, a better. It probably would have elicited a better response from most of the fans, especially those invested in women's wrestling. I would have preferred, like, all right, if you're going to do this Britt Baker squash, fine, but then have her say something after the match. Like Jamie Hader's been out. Tony Storm is still the champion. Soraya's running around. Ruby's running around. I know Ruby just lost to Willow in the finals and everything, but like have her address some of this and just advance or fall. I mean, that outcast and original storyline, I feel like has been going on for three years now and we've, we're still at plot a on this thing. And I know there's been injuries and in, in various things that have kind of like held things up, but even before like hater got hurt, it was felt like it was stuck in still first or second gear on this, but at least have her like address some of that. Like, you just put her out there in a cold match. You have her beat this person. And it was just basically, there's Britt Baker for you, everybody. Don't worry about what she was doing before. Don't worry about what she's doing next. Britt Baker. Yeah. D M D. Yeah. I can't think of another way to put DMD into words, but uh, yeah, it's, it is what it is. I think we, we, we put enough time and enough conversation behind that. So thank you. Why so That was a, that was a really, really good, Good topic of conversation. Good thing to talk about. So here we go. Let's uh, let's talk about the Blind Eliminator tag. Let's talk about MJF and Cole. I I didn't feel this way when it started, but I'm starting to very much feel this way now, Jeremy Lambert. I think we have to keep them together. I think MJF and Cole need to continue to be a story, maybe all the way through All In, and then 
have the match announcement at all out. I know on Wednesday I said that's a stupid idea. I told you. But unfortunately, we may have we may have changed my mind this past Wednesday. The dance-off was so funny and so stupid. It was the most PWG filled thing ever, and I love it. And I love that it upset so many people. I listen. I, I, I make no bones about this. I, I listen to other shows that talk about wrestling. Uh, and one particular is a call-in show, and, and someone was just very mad about it. And I just sat there. I think I was on the bus, and I was just laughing the whole time. Just be like, wow, you're big mad over absolutely nothing, buddy. So uh, this was this was fun. Uh the the Kowloon segment felt a little shoehorned, but I get why you did it because it's you're in Boston. There is a background there. There's a whole thing. Uh, shout out to John Alba for saying he invited uh, MJF and Cole to Kowloon's for his Matt Hardy podcast that happened the night before, but I guess they didn't show up, uh, or maybe they did. Who knows? But anyway, I, that was a um, it was a fun segment. It just felt it felt a little shoehorned, but it was still good. They put a lot of time and a lot of effort into the MJF and Adam Cole story last night. Uh, but yeah, now we, I think we have to keep them together, Jeremy. What do we do? I told you, you got to keep them together. I know. I told you on Wednesday, you have oh. to let this, you got to let this ride, baby. You got to let this ride because this act is hot right now. The segments are great. The the filming skit segments they do are great. The backstage stuff is great. The in ring work is fantastic. I know. I'm sure people. I don't listen to other podcast review stuff. All right. Yeah, I'm listening to too many interviews to listen to that stuff. I'm sure people were big mad about uh, the dance segment. And I had a joke tweet of like, oh, one of these teams is going to face the super serious FTR on the super serious collision show. Like, let's laugh at them. This is not how you do this match. Don't care. Popped me. Crowd went wild for it. That's what matters. The crowd is reacting to all of this stuff. And you know what the crowd was reacting to you know why wrestling can be the simplest friggin' art in the world and people want to overcomplicate the hell out of it the double clothesline man they built this up for weeks of like we're gonna hit the double clothesline and then in all the matches leading up they never hit it never hit it they went for it multiple times on this match and then they finally hit it they got the big reaction and they friggin' won with it it wasn't no oh we're gonna hit this double and then they kick out and it's like oh well what was the point they won with this thing paul Heyman. i know people are can sometimes be divided on paul Heyman. paul Heyman understands wrestling and, and how it can be very simple and stuff i think he's an interview with austin he did years ago he's like you can turn anything into a finisher and he's right you can he said if you go out there and mark henry just uses a bear hug. Everyone knows how strong Mark Henry is. If he goes out there and just uses a bear hug every week and everybody's tapping out to it, nobody else uses the bear hug. Nobody else is, hey, let's do a bear hug spot and then they escape. You just use Mark Henry using a bear hug every week. It beats people with it. All of a sudden, the bear hug is a viable finisher. Jake Roberts had a DDT as a finisher. Viable finisher, right? And then everybody started using the DDT and it wasn't a finisher anymore, but you can do this with anything. They took a double clothesline, which you see in just about every single tag team match. And they got it over as a finisher because they talked about it and they built it up and it was fantastic. I love the dance stuff. Let it be hokey sometimes with wrestling. Cause these guys can pull it off. And that's the thing. They can pull it off. MJF as super serious as he likes to be with his villain orgist stories and everything. We've also seen goofy, playful MJF throughout his career 
as well. So him doing this and him trying to be on Adam Cole's good side and be his pal and everything, he can get away with doing this stuff. So I thought it was fantastic. I thought Garcia and Guevara were great. I, the tease at the end where Cole was looking at the belt and MJF caught him. They're obviously that that's going to be there. Then FTR came out and they were like, okay, FTR, we kind of got the divide on here. We got to, we got to get unified again because now our goal is to take the titles from FTR. So I thought, I thought it was a fun match. I thought it was a fun segment. You got, I don't know how much truth there is in to them being like the top selling shirt of the entire year already within like a week. I imagine it's pretty truthful. I imagine it's pretty close to uh, accurate. They're hot, man. And I've said this a bunch of times. And look, sometimes history prove, can prove you wrong. Maybe the bloodline is an example of that, as we'll talk about a little bit later. When things are hot, sometimes you got to let it keep going or you got to strike on it. And there's no reason to cut this off right now when you can get more out of it. I see the chat saying, as long as it isn't Gunter or Roman dancing, I'll allow it. And here I am thinking that the rules of engagement on SmackDown is going to be a dance-off between Jey Uso and Roman Reigns. Some pe- Again, sometimes you can get away with this stuff. It's all about how you were presented and how you've been presented. MJF, even though, again, he's got his villain origin stories and can be super serious MJF person, we have seen him do... This man did a friggin' song and dance at one point okay we've seen mjf be super campy we know he can do this camp kind of stuff so just because he's the world champion does not mean he cannot do the camp stuff again yeah he did a singing segment it further not even you know the song and dances during the pandemic the singing segment was this year he did this big singing segment like you can do this kind of stuff, if the character lends it to that. MJF's character lends it to that. Obviously, Adam Cole, big baby face Adam Cole, can kind of get away with, with doing anything. Adam Cole's a big goofball, anyway. Love Adam Cole. Was the sweetest person in the world. Goofball. Now, here's where everything kind of saved itself last night for me in terms of the, the world title situation. Um, not making your world championship uh, more serious, you know, conversation piece that didn't make me super happy however they did the dancing they did the silly stuff and it was what it was and and you know again i I just said i enjoyed it and i do it um when they turned on a dime and had adam cole holding that title and mjf getting real upset because cole was longing a little looking a little too longingly at that championship that was the moment where I said, oh, no, we can still make this title matter more than this blind eliminator tag and the tag team title matches coming up. They, they brought the focus right back to the world title. And those are the moments that make this silly stuff that we're talking about more impactful and more not just meaningful, but just worthwhile. And so I really, I really, really, really enjoyed the fact that they snapped us right back into the world title story that exists and of course, it was just for a moment because then they celebrated, but there's still that little bit of, mm, well, they won't they? Part of me is just like, now MJF is going to try to like get his way into Britt Baker and just try to hit on her because MJF is going to go after the one thing that Adam Cole loves because Adam Cole went after the one thing that MJF loves. Uh, I don't know if you need to have that story, but part of me is just like, would they do that? Because he thinks the Triple B is like his girlfriend wife partner whatever lover uh you you think they would go that far and include brit in the larger story 
Yes, a hundred percent. They would once they do this turn. Whenever, whenever it is, once MJF reverts back to villain MJF, he is a hundred percent gonna do a a shot at Britt Baker and, and kind of whatever hit on her, reference her, whatever it might be. They're hundred percent going going to go that route. That's what MJF does, right? When he is in that super serious let me talk let me talk to you uh let let me speak in hushed tones before i start yelling mjf way he goes after anything i don't know if it's low-hanging fruit but anything that that bites the hardest and we know the Britt baker stuff bites when it comes to adam cole see in the chat they're talking about a double turn probably not i don't think i don't think mjf as a face is ever on the table especially in this story because there's no reason to have mjf be a face when he's he's widely faking it right now to be with uh with adam cole so there's no there's no reason to do it and also adam cole is just a, he's just a big dumb dork like you said he's not dumb I, he's just a big dork i think the the tough part for double turn here is while adam cole is better as a heel um one mjf is very good as a face he can get away with being a face it's tough to boo adam cole when they've put his real life story out there you've gotta you've you've gotta really do something and beating up mjf who's not the most likable baby face in the world right now uh is not the most likable person uh it's tough to go like this be the solidifying heel turn for adam cole you know like when roman reigns first came back cancer was in remission and everything you couldn't just make that man a heel right away Right, like you couldn't just do the heel stuff after that. They had to be babyface Roman Reigns, and they babyfaced him an entire year with a terrible Corbin feud and all of this stuff. And then it took the pandemic and him stepping away, and there being no crowds for him to like push into the Roman Reigns we're seeing today. This Adam Cole return is less than six months old. Like that it's still very fresh. It's tough to babyface Adam Cole off of this right now. And it's tough to babyface him going after that. Roman wasn't like booed or anything when he's beaten like uh Strowman and Wyatt. I mean, some people like the fiend, but like that wasn't it. It was one, you're not in front of live crowds. So you press the boo button and everybody boos. Heyman was great in that role as well. Of like really healing reigns reigns, great actor to make himself a heel in that way. And the story was there with Cole you gotta find the right story I don't think it's MJF because MJF has been such a heel and is such a dick even though he is a great baby face you gotta find a more pure baby face for Adam Cole to like destroy off of this and I don't think that's MJF yeah I, I I'm largely in agreement there I'm looking forward to the world title match, the world tag title match, I should say. Uh, they're going to do that in Hartford in a week, not this Saturday, but next Saturday on Collision. So FTR comes out at the end, and this is going to be part of a very interesting match. Like you said, you know, jokingly, these guys are dancing and they're going to take on super serious FTR on super serious Collision. But like, there, there's a reality to that. There really is. This is a match that. Uh, is going to be very different. This, these are two guys who just had a 58-minute match, almost an hour, against uh, Jay and Juice on, last Saturday. And now they're going to go up against Adam Cole and MJF, who just had a dance-off following a like 10-minute match between Darby and, Sa- and uh, Dana Garcia. Sorry, not Darby, Sammy and, Dar- and, uh, and Garcia. 
I want I want MJF and Adam Cole to do the dance thing in the FTR match. I want them to start and they just get punched in the face. And FTR is like, we ain't doing this dumb shit. Okay. This is a different show. You're in here with a different team. We ain't doing this. And then MJF and Adam Cole are like, oh, okay. Yeah. We gotta, we gotta switch it up. This ain't all fun and games anymore. Like I want them to act like how they've been acting. Hey, fun and games type of thing. Like, haha. And then once they get punched, it's like, nope. Never mind. And I I can see the argument against that of just like, hey, they know this is not fun and games. Let's go in here and just be super serious from the start. But I think you establish right then that like, hey, these guys have been kind of coasting through, joking, being buddy-buddy, and now it's a different level. You're facing the AEW tag team champions. You're facing the super serious, no flips, just f- kicks, whatever they're, just fist uh, guys out here. So that that's what I want to, to start this match. Dax loves fisting. <laughs> Take that as you will. Uh, maybe he likes kicks too, but in about 10 minutes, by the way, Janai Kai, the kick demon, is going to be joining us here talking about Smash Wrestling's Can USA Classic, which is this Saturday in London, Ontario. So we'll get to that in a few minutes when Janai gets here. Uh, yeah, this whole thing with the tag match is also interesting because uh, as far as we remember, MJF and, and Dax aren't exactly uh, pally pals. But of course, history states we can put things aside for a good business decision. Uh, does that business decision include new tag team champions or does this business decision include FDR retaining? I, I've said it. I think you put the titles on Cole and, and MJF. I would keep rolling with this. I would, I would keep it going. I'd keep it going to all in and then do a, a, a three-way tag match, have them lose, but not take the pinfall. MJF or Cole, whoever I, I assume MJF is the one to turn. He's the heel. MJF after the match, Adam Cole does kind of longingly look at that title. And, you know, he's like, "We lost." MJF's upset, and then Adam Cole is the one who like hands him the title back, and MJF just hits him with the title, and then MJF can do the the big promo uh, on Dynamite of like, "I saw the way you were looking at the title." I knew you were going to come after the title. The moment we lost these tag team titles, I'm going to get you before you get me. Like I'm, I'm hip to your games and stuff. I don't want that. I, not having any of this. And then you set up the match for, for all out. All out or all in. What are we doing? Are we going to do it all out? Yeah. The singles match is at all out. Yeah, I guess so. Why wouldn't you want to do it in the big stage of all in? Cause I just told you, you're, you're doing the tag team match at I'm all in. Not- I get that. But I'm saying, why wouldn't you want to do the big title match at All In? Okay, then what are you doing at All Out? The tag match. <laughs> you got, that's the problem. You got the big, you know, 80,000 seat stadium coming before the big Chicago show. This is, this is again, this is the conversation you and I keep having. It's like, what, which one is bigger? Which one is more important? So that if the tag titles and the world title are kind of interlaced in a story right now, how do you make one event seem like it's more important than the other? Or at least like, how, how do you, how do you navigate that when the, the event with more people is the week before the traditional pay-per-view that you hold on Labor Day weekend? I think all ends the bigger event because it's at the big stadium and it's already sold nearly 80,000 tickets. I'm not worried about putting a world title match on that show. Honestly, that's going to be that's that's one of those things where like the spectacle itself is just going to sell the entire thing. 
and MJF is still on the show. You're still going to have big matches on that show. Uh, you know, I don't know what they're going to be. I, I keep assuming we're getting Osprey and Omega three on that show. That's going to be a big spectacle show. I'm a little bit more worried about asking people to potentially play it, pay the week after for all out. You get MJF Adam Cole, which is a story that would have been going on for about four months by that point. You're finally getting the payoff to that at all out. And so that's a hook for that show. The hook for all in is just come witness history. And that works on this. Up. Yeah. Remember WrestleMania one. And I understand like all in is not WrestleMania one, but like on a scale of things, it's a big deal. WrestleMania one didn't have a, a world title match on it. The world champion was in a tag match headlining the show. So I'm not too worried about the world title, not being part of all in. So basically what you're saying is that if Cody was still in the company, it would have been Stephen Amell and Cody in a tag match against like uh, against CM Punk and someone else from heels. <laughs> they would have loved that. They would have absolutely loved the that crossover match. appeal. But yeah. I don't know they have stars in the UK. Is he has heels aired in the UK? Is that a thing? I assume so. Have, I don't know. have you heard of this? I, I but I largely agree with you. There is it's it's a spectacle versus um, a big a big yearly show that they do. Uh, so yeah, I, I get behind you. Okay, I, I'm willing I'm willing to accept that as reasoning for why you would do the matches in that order or why you would kind of put it that way. So I, we'll we'll see where where those cards land. I'm. I'm looking forward to the breakup because it suddenly needs to be much more important than anything else that they've done so far. Cause they, they have gotten an entire group of people, a big crowd of people invested in the Adam Cole and MJF tag team. But again, I bring up that it, you had the title show up and you got Adam Cole staring at it for a bit too long. And suddenly we're back to reminding everybody these two could probably implode over this thing very, very quickly. So there's a lot there. There's a lot on the table. They're, they're telling some pretty good stories there, even if they're a little, they get a little silly with it. And that's okay too. I like it. I mean, I think there's a factor here that we have not discussed. And that is they're going to be on collision next week against FTR. It is very possible. I think they should extend this thing. Maybe they don't extend it. Maybe they lose to FTR. And then after the match, we just get the turn right there of like, all right, we went as far as we could. And now we've lost. And now I know you're coming after my title. I'm going to attack you. Or, hey, we were paired up together because it was a blind eliminator tag. And now my real goal was your title. However, whoever's doing the turning here. The factor that we haven't discussed is the CM Punk factor. I don't think he's done with this being out of the world title picture. Now, like MJF has been on collision once, but now he's on collision going against FTR who are aligned with punk on television and punk still, he made the reference of like, I ain't lost this title type of thing. You got to bring that back around at some point. I would imagine. Otherwise, like what was CM Punk doing in that promo? You, you're paying off like nothing on that promo. It's a good promo, but like there's no payoff to it if you don't eventually bring back the, the title discussion. Well, so, uh... <laughs> so I think there might be a punk factor to, to this match on Collision. I'm not saying he's getting involved or anything, but I am saying he... If he's watching, he does that. They do that cool, you know, backstage shot of CM Punk watching the match, paying interest 
to this match. Maybe maybe he cuts a promo earlier in the night and he references MJF being on the show and being the champion and doing tag stuff. Whatever it is, I think there's a CM Punk factor to all this, though. I agree. And bringing MJF and Cole to collision might just open up those doors, like you said. Uh, very much looking forward to that match. Very much looking forward to where things go on that storyline because... Again, CM Punk just lost the Owen. He's pissed, and I get it. So uh, we're going to have to now start telling the story of where does CM Punk go from here? Does he inject himself into that tag title match? Does he just watch along and, and make a decision afterwards? Maybe there's a beatdown. Who knows? Either way, CM Punk, like you said, I think has to, uh, has to join the fray here. It's going to be good. Great. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think our guest is here, and if they're ready, they'll give me a thumbs up. Wonderful. Well, here we go. Very excited for this one. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. We have the kick demon now. She's going to be at the Smash Wrestling Can USA Classic this Saturday, July 22nd, facing off against Lufisto. Folks, it's the kick demon herself. It's Janai Kai. How you doing, Janai? Hey, can you hear me okay? We can hear you. Yep. Cool. I'm doing good. How are you? Doing really well. Thanks for joining us this good. morning. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I hope we do not have beef right off the start as I have put my, my kick God headline there and I have a shirt that says kick. Oh. I would like to be on the same team with you. We could do a God demon type of thing instead oh. of battling each other. Yeah, that's fine. I have to put a title on my under my name. Forgot to do that. <laughs> okay, so if you go into settings <laughs> general. Uh, you know what? Listen, you got you got Demon X Bunny. You got Allie and Rosemary. So yeah. what about Jeremy and Janai? They could be the, the yo. No, her name first. Her name first. Okay. Oh, my. Jeremy. I was just yes. Jay, it just flows off the top. There you go. Janai and Jeremy. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do that. Put it in the notes, Jeremy Lambert. <laughs> and then inevitably you two split up because Janai's gonna kick you in the face. Yeah, that sounds about it. It right. has to happen sometime. Sorry. Yeah. Uh look, I, I understand. I, I I totally get it of uh of me getting kicked. Um, you know, I can I replace Yoya though? Like is he is he still part? I know there's Yokai, but like, can I replace him? Uh, he's been kicked enough by me. I mean, yes, <laughs> he, he needs a little bit of a break. So, <laughs> so right off the bat, you're going to be facing Lufisto. This isn't your first time taking on Lufisto. Uh, there is a clash of styles there. Uh, how first of all, how do you prepare for a legend like Lufisto, uh, especially going into you know you're in Canada and that's that's her home base, uh, and you're going to be facing her at Smash Wrestling's Can USA Classic this Saturday in London, Ontario. It's July 22nd. Talk to me about facing Lufisto because again, not the first time. No, this is going to be the third time actually, and every single time I wrestle Lufisto, it's in Canada, which is crazy because <laughs> um, we've been on the same cards over here in the U.S. Um, every time we wrestle each other, it has to be in Canada, and yeah, the third time, I mean, I stay studying Lufisto. I continue to watch her matches um, just so that I can keep, you know, making sure what else does she do? Because she's been here for a while, so she always has something surprising, like in the ring. So I always want to keep up with her work, study like the past matches, um, and just best prepare that way. Um, but yeah, I definitely like the the past couple of matches. We we've gone pretty hard, and I enjoyed wrestling Lufisto. I learned a lot from wrestling her. So I know for sure this third time around. I mean, hey. If we went hard the first two times, I mean, this time around, that's it. Like, it's it's literally going to be as hard as can be. 
I want to ask about the the Japanese, uh, the Joshi style of wrestling. You've been to Japan, wrestled uh, for Tokyo uh, Joshi Pro, and you've you've faced a lot of a lot of Joshi talent. Uh, you just faced. Uh, I apologize if I get get the name wrong. Um, yeah, but Yaha Shishita, did I? Yeah, Yaha Shishita. Uh, Yutami Yaha Shishita. Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. You you just faced her. Like, what is what about the Joshi style that appeals to you and feels like suits your strengths? Um, well, the Joshi style, it immediately grabbed my attention since day one of training. Um, I always wanted to figure out where do I actually fit in in this industry? Like my style is pretty different and I know there is shoot style and all of that. But like when I started watching like Joshi style and more just more Japanese wrestling overall, I saw that they had some sort of martial arts background. There was a lot of that influence over there. So I thought, hey, let me just keep studying this style. I This seems like the place that I could be at. So ever since then, I, I just stuck to that goal of just ending up over there. Um, but, you know, wrestling with Tommy was like another thing because um, Tommy was trained by Kagetsu, who was in stardom. And I, I, I always loved Kagetsu. So um, just the fact that I was able to face with Tommy, um, it, it was pretty cool. And I hope to wrestle Tommy again. I saw a brutal last woman standing match between yourself and Sawyer Wreck. This is a JCW Uncensored. Mm-hmm. What the hell went into that match? Because at the end, you guys were, you, first of all, you were both just walloping each other. You made it, it all look real good. Talk to me about facing Sawyer Wreck because uh, she's yeah. gotten a lot of eyes on her lately. Yes. Uh, so me and Sawyer actually kind of started around the same place. Like we were in Orlando, Florida training around the same time. So I've been able to see Sawyer's growth literally from her, her day one days. So like, it's pretty cool to actually see where she's at now. Um, and that we're both kind of thriving together in a way, because we literally started around the same, like the same area and now we're just traveling everywhere, going to Japan. Um, she's killing it on GCW with the death matches. And that's that's awesome to see that she's actually found what she loves to do in wrestling, too. Um, that's always a good thing. So I I love of just seeing her in general. She's a, she's a good spirit. Are there any plans to uh, return to Japan? You mentioned wanting to face Utami again, mm-hmm. like possibly in Japan. Um, so I hope that does happen. I am returning to Japan August 1st and I'll, I'll be there for two months. So it's going to be for a longer time. Um, I don't know all of my opponents. I do have a good handful of matches lined up, like as far as what shows I'm doing, but I don't know my opponents yet. Um, it's always surprising though, because, uh, the first match that I'm doing when I go back is a eight woman tag and, I have opponents like Dash Chisako on the other side. So I get to face against Dash. Like it's just it's just crazy to me like that I'm having these opportunities and facing people that I just studied. So um, that's what's coming up as far as Japan goes. I, I ask everybody this who has been been to Japan. Did you go to Ribera? I did not. Okay. And a lot of people ask me why, but like, I don't know. I'm hearing different things about it, but I know I, I have to end up going. Um, but that's definitely the plan. Since I'm going to be there for two months, I, I have to go eventually. 
<laughs> you have to go and then you, you got to give a review of it because I don't know how much you have heard about it, but the general mm. consensus review is that like Ribera, great wrestling lore, a big spot for the wrestlers, food, not actually that great. So I, I would like your review of yeah. the actual food when you go. Yeah, I will definitely review the food because I, I heard similar things. <laughs> ah, see, it's, it's a thing. It's, it's a common thing in wrestling. <laughs> You've, you've worked so many different styles of wrestling. And uh, I know right now you're going to be going back to Japan and, and working a, a more Joshi style. Uh, and also you have so many backgrounds and disciplines in various forms of, uh, of combat and mixed martial arts and everything. What is your favorite match style to work or maybe a stipulation that you like most working in? Um, well, yeah, I definitely love doing like shoot style, UWF like type style matches. It's always fun because I... I don't really have to think too much. Like I kind of, it's like, that's my thing. Like I, I'm just going with the flow of the whole match and wrestling other people who have that background as well is awesome because it's like, I've been wrestling a lot of um, people who have like a jujitsu background and then seeing that clash of styles go like, it's just awesome. What kind of magic we can create. So that's always fun for me. You've done, you've done a couple of uh, blood sport matches. One, we got to get you a victory. At Bloodsport, I know Masha. That, that's a that's a tough out. Can you face Yoya at Bloodsport? You can easily beat him. Um, hey, if but, they if they want to do that, <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> Is Yoya the person you've kicked the hardest? Do you think? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's been a while since the last time we we had a singles match, so I can't really remember. I mean, I I just be going hard on on everyone. Doesn't matter who you are. So. <laughs> Not well, sure. <laughs> you're, hold on. If you're kicking people hard. Who's kicked you the hardest? Oh, okay. Um, I will say that Mike Bailey has kicked me the hardest. It was, it's between Mike Bailey and Kevin Blackwood. Okay. okay. Yeah. What, what is the uh, appeal to you when it comes to, you, you mentioned wrestling Mike Bailey, Kevin Blackwood. I know you've wrestled uh, Violence is Forever. They, they go very hard in the ring mm -hmm. as well. Like, Doing intergender wrestling, I know it's a. Some people have, have mixed feelings on it, but your overall thoughts on on intergender wrestling and getting in there and making it look real against uh, men who might be bigger than you. Um. So I kind of just still stick to like making it look like it, this is a reality, like woman versus man type deal. Like if you're watching a uh, like a martial arts movie, you see sometimes there's martial arts movies where like the leading role is a woman and she's fighting all these guys. So I kind of think in, in that mindset, like I'm imagining myself in a martial arts movie and I'm facing these guys and just whooping their ass. Like that's kind of like how I picture it. Um, so yeah, I just stick to who I am. And of course, everyone just wants me to see someone, see me kick someone in the face. So uh, that's always the goal. <laughs> You uh, you did your first YouTube live recently. How did I did. Go? You're you're kind of venturing into the streaming world, are you? Is it something that you would want to keep doing, or is it uh, just kind of a test run for now? Um, so I was doing Twitch for the longest since like 2020. I've been doing Twitch, and then um, I kind of saw that like I was getting a lot of like engagement. A lot of people were coming through. But also I was thinking maybe YouTube live might be a little bit better because I do watch a lot of lives on there. And um, I kind of want to reach out to other people who don't have Twitch. So I, I want to stream on other platforms, like make a, a variety of streaming platforms. Um, I do like YouTube live a lot. I did it yesterday. 
and I had a good number of people coming in asking me questions. And I think for YouTube, I'm going to be more organized with it because with Twitch, I always go into Twitch just trying to figure out what to do on the spot and then figuring out which game I'm going to play, which I don't play a lot of games either. So I'm not too worried about just streaming somewhere else and not playing any games. Um, so yeah, like that's, I'm just venturing out trying to figure out what's most comfortable for me. I love streaming because it kind of feels like I'm in my own world in a way I'm sure you guys can relate. So yeah, it's fun. And I can just literally talk about whatever I want. <laughs> what what was your, uh, your favorite game you were playing when you, when you did play some games? Um, I liked playing a lot of scary games, but I liked playing like Dead by Daylight. I was playing Stray the last time I streamed, which is like that cat game where you're just wandering around, figuring out puzzles, any type of puzzle game, but it kind of has like a scary type of vibe to it. Have Have you heard of Hello Neighbor? No. Okay, so I, I have two recommendations okay. for you. One is Hello Neighbor, um, and I'm completely blanking on the second one. I'll get it. I'll get it back. But Hello Neighbor is a very it won a bunch of awards, and yeah, it's a it's a scary type puzzle game where you figure out how to break into a house and and uh, steal something. So oh, but the, the, okay. the the man in the house like tries to basically kill you. Uh, so oh. that is that is a. Uh, one one to look out for. Uh, it's on Steam if you want to check it out there. Okay, yeah, I do have Steam. That kind of reminds me of um, what's that other game that it's like a haunted house and you're going with your friends. The Phasmophobia. Yeah, Phasmophobia. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought Jeremy was thinking of too. That, yeah, it kind of reminds me of that. I, I do like playing that one. I haven't played that one in a, in a while, but that always that game always gets me. <laughs> the jump cuts, like the the amount yeah. of yeah, like, compilations on YouTube. Those oh my god! <laughs> uh, okay, I, so you and Killer Kelly have have gone a little bit back and forth. When is that match happening? Where do we? Where are we going to do it? Come on, let's. let's Yo, I would love to know because she's been on Bloodsport as well. And hey, if we go at it at Bloodsport, I would love that. So I mean, we keep like passing by each other and all of that. It has to happen eventually. She she also has a style that uh, at least if you're watching Impact, it's a very uh, unique style uh, of. Uh, handling her opponents uh is that something that you are uh ready for is that something you're you're looking forward to it's she's a very very different competitor oh no yeah i very much look forward to it um i'm i'm all for anything like i'm all for the tests you know so i've been keeping an eye on her for a while so i i'm definitely ready and I want to. I'm de- definitely curious of what kind of magic we can create because I see. I, I'm picturing a lot of things right now. So, <laughs> you've you've wrestled at a lot of different uh, companies across across America and in Japan. Is there a a venue or, or any place that that stood out to you of being like the weirdest place you have wrestled at? Hmm, the weirdest place. There's been a. A couple of them, like when I was still wrestling over in in Florida, there's been some very interesting spots where it's like you're wrestling like in a barn type thing, like at a farm. And it's like you're asking, oh, where's the locker room? And it's literally not even a locker room. It's like a room where like they used to keep the cows or something. Like it's like one of those. Oh, where's the bathroom? We don't have a bathroom. Great. I guess it's got to do nothing. Like, just hold it in the whole time. 
<laughs> they got you changing in the stables. What's yeah. going on here? <laughs> Did you guys think about this? I maybe, maybe not. I, okay, cool. Blew the budget on the ring rental. <laughs> Legit. Like, okay, good times, good times. We we've had uh, a few very interesting. Uh, answers to the question of, of where the weirdest place people have wrestled are. And, and it includes, you know, a prison yard was Johnny Gargano at one point said that in an interview. Wow. Had, I think Speedball, speed, oh, what did speed, Speedball told me a really weird one, like out in a field somewhere in a cave and stuff like that. So believe me, you're in good company if you're going to, you're actually doing really well if you're, if the worst thing you're doing is holding it in and changing it in the barn. I guess, I guess. We've gotten straight. <laughs> a lot or former strip club or things like that that one's come up a lot oh okay yeah like i've seen i've heard that too yeah uh, airbnb house <laughs> uh, i want to ask about your your background in in taekwondo and you know your black belt there like how when did when did you start working on that and then obviously you do you incorporate a lot of it into your wrestling style but when did the love of taekwondo uh come about uh started when i was six years old um, when I decided that I wanted to do it, um, I've watched, I started watching wrestling around the same time too. Um, but I don't know, there was something about martial arts that I loved. Um, and I think it was just like the one-on-one -on -one action. Like I love competing against myself and I think martial arts is like the perfect spot to test yourself and to compete against yourself. So that's what kind of caught my attention with it. And like after the first class, I was all for it. Like, I'm like, Oh, I have to do better than I did this class. So I just kept going and going. And then um, getting to my black belt, like that was very intense. Um, just the whole testing of it um, was, I, I still remember it till this day. Um, it was just, I had to spar like 10 people at the same time. And I had to break two boards I had to go through all the belt systems by performing all of like the forms nonstop. So I had to memorize all of that and do the whole thing nonstop in front of the masters. So that was very intimidating. Um, but yeah, after that, I kind of took a break and then I got into Muay Thai and kickboxing and that kind of switched up my style a little bit um, because Taekwondo the way that they stand, the way that they do certain things is way different than Muay Thai. And so that kind of cleaned me up, I feel like, too. And then when I got into wrestling and I implemented that, I'm like, oh, okay, like I see the flow. It's kind of relatable in a sense when you're moving around the ring. And so that's how I kind of decide that I was going to input that style. Have, have you, you ever or Go ahead. Go ahead, Jeremy. Oh, have you ever done or have any interest in doing any type of, uh, whether it be exhibition, kickboxing, Muay Thai, uh, Taekwondo bouts? Yeah, so it was in 2017 where I trained for my fight, uh, for a kickboxing fight, Glory Rules. Um, so if you're familiar with like Glory kickboxing, it was basically going to be that style. And I had to lose about 20 pounds which was not good for like my height or anything. So it was kind of unhealthy to do, but I did it. <laughs> um, and then uh, my opponent pulled out of the fight the, oh. the week of. So I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. Like I can't, like I just lost 20 pounds for you. But um, then I, I decided I'm just going to go to wrestling. 
<laughs> like I'm not gonna deal with this. Um, but I would love to like do that again because I appreciated that experience. I learned a lot about myself mentally and physically, just how my body really works. I got to know myself a lot more through that process. So I don't mind doing it again. It's just it has to be like a good time, you know. It's funny that I was about to ask the same similar question, but in the MMA sphere. So I, uh, I can I only assume it's a similar answer in this case. Yeah, very similar. And I also have to up my ground game. So it's going <laughs> to be stand up for right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, talk to me about Women's Wrestling Army. You, you had a really big experience there. Uh, and, and also just the general importance of like women's wrestling and representation. You worked with uh, Mission Pro Wrestling is another one that obviously puts a lot of emphasis on, uh, on women's wrestling. Talk to me about those experiences and why they're important. Yeah, so it's very important to me because I, I always, anywhere I go, I always try and look to see, like, how is this going to influence me? Like, who is this person? Like, I really pay attention to that. And if I don't get a good experience out of it, it kind of brings me down in a way. So, like, getting into women's wrestling army, like, Maria's there, and she's been through so much. She She knows She'd been through like almost every promotion. Like she definitely gets the business. So it was automatically great to have her as a leader. And I, I met Maria at Ring of Honor at first because um, she approached me about doing a couple of the tapings. Um, and then she brought up her new promotion. But the whole locker room is great. So many different styles in that locker room. And the way that Maria is able to work with each of us and see how she can kind of upgrade us in a way is awesome. Because that's what I always hope for. If someone wants to work with me or if I'm going into a promotion, I always hope that this person actually wants to work with me, work with me, try to like, like put me up in some sort of way, build me, you know? So that's exactly what she was doing and trying to work on with each person. And I appreciate that. And I'm sure all the other women in the locker room do too. My, my last one for you, Janai, is just overall future goals in, in wrestling. Like, what are you looking to fully accomplish in the next five to 10 years? So really, I thought about that recently. And I just want to continue to represent who I am because um, I've just been very com comfortable that way. And with the way that my path has been going, I've been very satisfied with it. And so I'm just all up for the journey when it comes to wrestling. Um, like outside of wrestling, I have other goals. Like I want to eventually open my own martial arts studio. So I'm definitely working on that on the side. Um, but overall just stick to like the things that I love and do what I love and just be happy with it and help other people. And my last question for you, one opponent, one stipulation, one match. What's the dream scenario? Mm. Uh, me versus me, Yamashita and I quit match. It's, it's definitely going to have to be in Japan. <laughs> Let's go. Let's will that into existence. I love it. <laughs> yes. Janai Kai, thank you for joining us. Uh, you can catch Janai this Saturday, 
July 22nd at Smash Wrestling's Can USA Classic. She's going to take on Lufisto. Tons of other stars on the card. Uh, Rosemary's there. Jessica from Impact as well. Uh, you can catch Allie the Bunny. She's going to be there as well. So many stars. Go check them out. It's going to be London, Ontario this Saturday. Uh, Janai, uh, please plug your social media. Plug what you got coming up. Yeah, so my social media is Janai underscore Kai on Twitter and Instagram. I also have Patreon where I post a lot of vlogs. That's patreon.com slash Janai Kai. And then my YouTube channel, since I'm streaming on there, um, you can just search Janai Kai and you'll probably see my channel pop up first. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Janai. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to teaming with you and beating up Yo-Yo. Yes. 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 <laughs> beating up everybody. We're kicking everybody. Kicking everybody. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you. There you go. Good times. She was great. I, very much looking forward to uh, to watching Janai this weekend at Smash Wrestling. It's going to be a good time. See, Joel, I get people to beat you up. And then now I'm teammates with these people. I'm a hell of a booker here. Well, first of all, I got her to admit that she's going to beat the crap out of you eventually. So clearly <laughs> yeah, we're she's going to turn on me. Right? <laughs> she's going to turn on me. Uh, she was fantastic. I, I was really happy to. She's someone, I mean, we didn't, we didn't get into the AEW stuff because she, I'm sure she's been asked about that a million yeah. times by in a bunch of different interviews. But like, you know, she has appeared on AEW television and that's when I kind of really started. Uh, I took notice of her before that, but that was a, you know, anytime you're on AEW, that's a good break right there. Um, I, I mentioned Yoya a handful of times because when I interviewed Yoya, he he praised her to to death because they kind of uh, started training together and everything, and they they have uh, kind of similar backgrounds uh, with everything there. And Yoya was really fun to talk to, and again, just very complimentary of of Janai. Why are we laughing? Oh, okay. Andrew yes, Zarian, I agree. Mark in the chat. Agreed. Such a, Joel is a turd, Andrew Zarian. Such a dork this andrew zarian why is why is he such a dork isn't he doing a show right now no they canceled because they're scared of us oh they know that we, the... we bring the numbers or something yeah something like that <laughs> uh we got we got some time left so i guess I, I mean i guess we should talk about this uh this rules of engagement it's a good show did you ever watch it uh yeah yeah it was it was a good show what did it did they air on was it a spade i believe was yeah. on it yeah, yeah. David Spade. Go back. They did, they did a. They did like six episodes or six episodes, six seasons. Man, like they didn't do a movie no. though. No, they didn't do. Didn't do a movie. It was a CBS show. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, Megan Price was on it. Remember her? My, yes, I do. My parents loved this. Uh, this this show absolutely loved it. Oh crap! Uh, yeah. Hope hope everyone's okay, Andrews Aaron. So just leave it at that. Just leave reading the chat. Oh, gee, okay. Yeah. Look okay. at you, Joel. On, you're over here. She's on the men. That's all that matters. We're good. Yes. Anyway. Best wishes uh, to your mother. Yeah. I will never send you the link again without knowing what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, let's talk about the actual rules of engagement. Summer slams around the corner and uh, Roman Reigns and Jey Uso are going to meet tonight on SmackDown, on FS1, not on Fox, but on FS1. They're going to, I guess discuss the challenge and terms of endearment of this match no it's not the terms of endearment it's the rules of engagement and then they're going to do a how i met your mother uh thing right i hope they agree to a slap fight that's how we gotta settle this just stand there hands behind your back just wham there he is 
Wow, that's un that's unexpected. But here we go. Here's our rules of engagement. Andrew's Arians here. I don't have my headphones on, so I'm going to sound like crap. That's all right. Actually, you sound pretty good. Yeah, you sound fine, honestly. Uh, <laughs> How are well, you, buddy? I mean, good. everything's I, I, uh, good, which I is good. I wanted to come in earlier, but you guys were on a roll, so I didn't want to bother you guys. Great interview, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Janaya's great. Yeah, we really, yeah. really enjoyed chatting with her. Uh, and by the way, thanks to uh, thanks to Steve from uh, from Smash Wrestling, uh, he he set that up for us. So he's he's great. He always always reaches out to us and always says, "Hey, who do you want from Smash?" So this was a, a great opportunity for for them and for us. Excellent. I just wanted to say you guys did a great show. I'm being very nice today. My mother did have a heart attack. That is not a joke. Very sorry. I'm glad to hear she's on the mend though. Yes, she's on the mend. I did I did get the guilt though. She said it was from stress of me not visiting her. <laughs> oh, she's definitely fine then. She's, she's definitely fine if she's. she's uh, me, so yeah, you know, she, I, she I, nice, nice uh, guilt, Catholic guilt, right there. <laughs> well, visit your mother, Andrew Zarian. It's been five years. I just can't. I can't get down to Florida. I can't. <laughs> I get it. It's Florida. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's Florida. That's the reason. <laughs> It's um, like me with Hamilton. It's a little different, but it's much more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, the Dark Side of the Ring episode of Abdullah yet. I haven't I'm seen not. it. I heard it was very, quote unquote, interesting. It was. And to my surprise, they used a clip of mine. You had mentioned this. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was told they requested the video. And and I guess like I don't know they decided not to use the video but they used the clip of me and Lance having a conversation about Hannibal's attack on the referee. And thank God I was very appropriate on that show. It wasn't <laughs> like it wasn't a Matman episode. It was Observer, so it was a good quote. I was shocked. I was watching it this morning. My wife goes, "You're on the TV." <laughs> I was like, "That's that's never positive, you know." Uh, I don't know where that's going. Yeah, it's okay. I mean. Uh you said that it was it was a good clip. You didn't say anything too outrageous, so that's always that's always good. Do you get royalties for that? Probably not. You should ask. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, they could have used the video. That would have been even better. Yeah, you should you should get. I told you you need to get the the dark side slow motion shot of you just like turning around, and then you get the cry on Andrew's area. <laughs> I think Dave Meltzer uh, took all of that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know what? I got to tell you, whoever they got to play Abby in those reenactments is unbelievable. I don't know who did it this time. I don't know, know but I mean, how, how is there another human being that even closely resembles him? Well, if you blur the lens enough, just about anyone of that size could work. <laughs> <laughs> you get a fork and everyone's happy. It worked out. Oh, man. Yeah, I, uh, unbelievable. I saw that uh, our pal, um, sorry, having a moment, <clears throat> Channing Decker is going to be uh, playing or did play Terry Frunk in one of the oh, episodes. Very cool. So there you go. Rodney Lloyd Anthony Kelman played Abdul the Butcher. He does look like if his IMDb photo, you could you can definitely uh, take how he would he would do this. He he wrestles for uh, IWS or at least uh, used to, so that makes some sense. Okay. Oh, I'm seeing this dude. Yes, he would. Yeah. 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 Drew Onyx, by the way. Okay. There you go. That's, so, it, that's, his, that's his name? I think that's his wrestling, wrestling name. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, why. Very impressive. He's a big boy. He, he's good. He's from Montreal. Oh, that makes sense because it's it's Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, yeah. I'm going to ask Shane Hawk about him. 
but they did it. <laughs> I, 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 I thought it was interesting. It was an interesting episode. Um, you know, there's so much about Abdullah that they could have covered, but I know that they really wanted to get to this, uh, the, the, the Hannibal stuff. But it felt like it was kind of like skipped over a little bit, you know? I wonder if it's because they didn't have all sides of the story in this case. I don't know, you know, because the 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 online comments were very anti-Hannibal. Very, very anti-Hannibal. But if you don't know a thing about him, right, and you're watching this, you're watching this documentary, he comes off like very likable. That if you don't know the story. Oops. I mean, I mean, essentially, it's it's this poor guy. He worked it. He worked his his butt off to get to where he wants to be in his career, and he got hepatitis, and Abdullah ruined his career and didn't pay him anything, and there was no like his career was over, and they skipped over totally skipped over the referee incident where essentially they said it was a miscommunication, and uh, the segment went on a little longer than it should have. That's literally all that was said. I, he's he said that I remember covering after it happened, and then he put out the videos that he put out. Like that's basically what he said then, of like, oh, it wasn't my fault, miscommunication type of thing. I know there's more about him that that is out there that yeah. doesn't seem like it was covered. Don't know if I got time for an episode that paints him in in the best of, of, of light. You know, it was the, it was done. I wouldn't say he painted him in a positive, but it didn't paint him in anything. It's okay. if I'm watching that and I have no idea who this guy is, I have a lot of compassion for him as this poor guy lost his career. You know, there's no other story about him. There was no uh, side commentary on like, well, actually, you know, this and this and this also that, that was lacking. But I think that's more of a time time constraint rather than, you know, a pur- purposeful omission. I feel like maybe it was done a certain way to get a lot of people talking about the omissions or at least just the the different sides that also exist in this that's whole possible story too. yeah that's like, possible too like i'm really curious about the marty Janetti episode that's what i want to yeah. like that's I, I, there's so much there you know are they going to cover marty Janetti uh admitting to murder on facebook I think it's all the only thing they're going to cover is how his best friend turned on him and threw him through a barbershop window. I think that's that's as far as we're going to get in the depth. When they, well, when they talked about uh, when uh, when Husney and uh, I forget his partner's name in this whole thing, uh, when the producers talked about the season ahead, they basically said this was the most time that they'd really spent with anybody for like an extended period of time. Normally, it's like a day in, a day out with whoever they're shooting with. And with uh, Marty, I think they said they spent like a few days with him, wow. really like getting into his world and like understanding where his brain is or isn't in certain cases. I, uh, I that's amazing to me because like when I was a kid, I'm a, I'm a little bit older than you, Joel. I, I don't know, Jeremy, how old are you? I gotta ask one of the kids. They know the age. I'm 34. Okay, they know the age. <laughs> uh, I like I was a Marty guy. Like Marty Janetti was the rocker for me. Like that was the guy that that I thought would have the big future here. Sean was the companion there. He was the add-on. It was all about Marty. He was a thick boy that would do flips. It was great. <laughs> so Andrew Zarian's basically admitting that he is a terrible wrestling talent scout who thought I, Marty I'm, Gennetti I'm a really was talent <laughs> scout. Yeah, I, I also I also was a big Savio Vega fan. I thought Savio was a huge huge star. I mean, listen, Savio should have been. 
but he should have been. I was a yeah. huge Savio Vega fan. Uh, I thought the Repo Man gimmick was brilliant. <laughs> Ahmed Johnson is the one that I that I feel they missed out on. That dude, dude had that, that freaking guy would put knee pads on his thighs. Okay? <laughs> How do you not push him? I was a huge Ahmed Johnson fan. Huge, huge Ahmed fan. And also Adam Bomb. Loved Adam Bomb. <laughs> Sid, everyone knows Sid was my guy. Sid at least got the world title. And Sid at least got it twice. Yeah, yeah. Right? Sid, Sid was fantastic. Ahmed Johnson. I legit thought like that was the dude at the time. I think they thought it too. I, I think I, you know, I, I think there, there was an alternate universe where Ahmed doesn't get injured and he actually improves and he becomes world champion. Who does he beat? So uh, Sean ain't, Sean ain't jobbing to Ahmed. Who does he beat? <laughs> Sid? Maybe Sid. <laughs> Sid, yeah. We could do the whole intrepid thing with Ahmed Johnson. Did Sid and Ahmed ever wrestle? That sounds like the greatest match of all time. Uh, not if you're not talking about it having had <laughs> You think he would inherit the uh, the Sid? Pirate? Oh, they did. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Oh, they did. Oh, it was when Ahmed or Ahmed was Big T in WCW, which, oh. sound, which was that doesn't count. That doesn't count. That's a world. fake. That's a fake universe. That's fake. No, that's yeah, but universe. that's what I want to see. Though. Big T is not Ahmed Johnson. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> they were. Oh, I forgot. They. Were, I forgot Ahmed, Sid, and Michaels were a team at uh, In Your House Nine. You know what? I figured it out. He would have wrestled Warrior. Oh man. Oh. Yeah. Jeremy, I don't know if you know this. I think Joel might. I did a 45-minute fantasy booking of what if the Ultimate Warrior came back to WWE in January of 98. Okay? <laughs> this sounds amazing. I Because remember, he was offered a contract in like December of 97. It was like a five-year deal that right. they offered him. And if he took that deal, I booked him from 1998 all the way to his retirement match with Hogan. In Toronto, that rock match never happens. It's Hogan Warrior. Did Did you have the whiteboard like uh you K-K like Sean Booker? Oliver? Yeah, yeah, I did yeah, the whole, yeah. I did the whole Sean Oliver thing. No, but I did end up booking him as the higher power. <laughs> oh, there it is with the haircut or no? That rules. No, but he had like the acolyte stuff all on his chest. <laughs> he had like an upside down six six six. He had like the Charlie Manson thing going. He was all bonkers. He was crazy. It's the dub, the warrior W. On his well, it, it's canon actually, if you really think about it, because a lot of his problems started after he got poisoned by Papa Shango. So the black True. vomit actually consumes him. The poison of of uh, Papa Shango. Yes, it's the symbiote. You could bring Papa Shango back. He could do the whole thing where he kind of controls the warrior from behind. You know, he's the real higher power. Everybody's under his curse. I love all of this. Everybody oh. has everybody has like a million warrior stories. My one warrior story that I just use forever and ever on men is uh, the cookies in catering story. You guys know this one? No. So, so warrior was so health conscious, but still loved his sweets that he would eat his broccoli and and baked chicken or whatever in, in catering. And then he would grab two cookies from catering. He would crumble them up in his hand and he would sniff them, take a big whiff, and then throw them in the garbage. that's a a really normal guy yes (laughs) that's a guy that's really stable in relationships (laughs) that story is out there and you know what i I actually i think that dana told the story of all people that's even i mean can you imagine being married to that person like oh yeah my husband 
he crushes up cookies and sniffs it and, and throws it away in disgust. <laughs> and that's it. That's how he gets off on it. I, I was, listen, I, I think, you know, that guy was so wonky and so many opportunities. Uh, do you know where he was built from? Parts unknown, right? No. Originally, he was built from Queens, New York. Oh, well, that makes plenty of sense. That makes you all guys. the sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The dingo warrior himself. The dingo warrior from Queens, New York. <laughs> a lot of dingoes in Queens, Sarah Andrew. Uh, they're running all around and they take our babies. It's like the cops. Unbelievable. Cars. Yeah, I get yeah, it's it. It's a big problem here. <laughs> it's a huge problem here in Queens. Forget about, forget about the crime rate. <laughs> the Forget dingo about the assaults and the robbery. The, the dingoes are the big problem. They are Adam his <laughs> hands full. The dingoes are the crime race. People just don't know that. It's a big conspiracy in Queens. It's actually the dingoes who are robbing the stores. <laughs> Where do these dingoes get guns? Who cares? They're trying to take over the stores, the bodegas. Um, I, before I run, I wanted to get your thoughts. I didn't. I, I missed the beginning. What did you guys think of Blood and Guts? Joel called it the worst match of all time. Stop it. No, I did <laughs> not. Really? I really did not. He no, did. I, no, I did, did not. Did you not like it? I, I, I didn't say I didn't like it. I said that there, I, I like, actually, I like the first Blood and Guts better, but also uh, I, I didn't enjoy how production missed a bunch of uh, pretty important spots. Uh, I, and I gave commentary credit for putting over the, uh, putting over the finish, which was missed. And that is the John Moxley being the one who actually threw in the towel proverbially, who gave up for Yuya instead of Yuya giving up while he was being choked out by everyone in the elite. That hey, what did you call him? Yuya. Did I call him Yuya? Sorry, Yuda. Yuda. Sorry, we had, we just had, uh, I was thinking Yokai. And then Yoya and Yoya Yuya Yumora. Yuya Yumora. Because I called him Wheeler Yoda for last month. Sorry, I meant yes. We're super professional here, everybody. Way too many. Way too many. Listen, I am. I according to I am the host of Wrestling Observer Live. You know, I have to keep it. I have to keep it as unprofessional as possible. Wheeler Yella. I I I agree with you. They missed a lot. I asked somebody. They said it had to do with the second ring setup. It was awkward to shoot yeah that makes sense and again if you don't have people who are super used to doing a style like that and again it only comes like once a year i'm not gonna i'm not gonna bury production for this it's just like some things probably could have been mapped out a little better and this goes back to the whole like the moves list and the the way that it's going to be good for production and the coaches to communicate with each other and get those big spots Uh, i think that's just stuff that's again on their learning curve as a company that's still young compared to literally all the other ones on tv out there what did you guys think of Abushi? Not his best. I he, love was, Koto. he was a thick boy. I love Kota Abushi, one of my top five favorite wrestlers to watch. And it's not his best performance. But look, that man came in just shoot punching everybody. I was a fan of that. <laughs> love me a good potato punch. Uh, you know what was awkward, yeah, though? At the end, the, what, what the hell were him and Moxley talking about? Hey, you want to be a tag team? I don't know. He went over to Moxley and he started like yelling at him and Moxley gave him like the most normal like, yeah, man, it's whatever. Like, I, I couldn't make out what he was saying. He's probably like, you may, hey, I'm going to go take a bump into these tacks after the camera shut off. Is that okay? And Moxley's just like, I was going to do it, but you do it okay. <laughs> Fucking took a bump on the tacks. Unbelievable. Oh, that's just, yeah. It was, the match was, the match it was, was fun. I, I really, I got to tell you though, I watched it in a very unique way. My wife and kids were down in Florida when my mother had the heart attack. 
which is a whole separate level. So they could visit her, but not you, Andrew yeah, they, they went down to visit her. And <laughs> I I watched this in my tub. All in, I was having a bubble bath. Okay, yeah. Th- this is the real scoops that we need. Is this Andrew's is a, a bath bomb okay. guy? Are you a I, bath bomb I, person? I like, a, I like a bath bomb, but I also have like this very like boutique-y bubbles for relaxation. I had a big bubble bath, and I sat down with my screen... And I and I may or may not have taken a uh, twenty five milligrams of a of a beautiful edible, and I just lost my mind watching pe- these grown adults bleed all over the place while I'm taking the most sensual of bubble baths. AEW's blood and guts, Andrewsarians <laughs> bubbles and edibles. I, yeah, I, I mean it, it's it's such a contrast of life. These people are beating the shit out of each other. I'm playing holistic music in the back. In the tub, I feel this is the best way to watch. I'm super jealous. Yeah, I think I had Lord good. Huron playing. <laughs> it was a very nice and calm bath. You're just My like lights all purple in the bathroom. <laughs> this sounds lying amazing. There. You're just lying there, just like laughing, just like <laughs> what a bunch of idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Pulling out a bed of nails and Andrew Andrew Zary just got his jet tub running, like just soaking in it. I'm going to share something with you guys. Um, I found footage of my old Taekwondo instructor that Rich and I, that's how Rich and I met. I don't know if you know this, Joel. I didn't know this. I did Rich not. and I met at Taekwondo when I was 13 or 14. He was maybe like 15, 16. And our instructor, they were carnies from Greece, okay, from Crete. Not, I'm not exaggerating. Like they were carnival oh, workers and they were gymnasts. And they would do the bed of nails gimmick and the brick on the head with the hammer gimmick. I have all the footage. I'm going to post it on Twitter and they would make us do these, these like worked like, like, like essentially we would choreograph a wrestling match of like, you know, hurricanas and monkey flips and all these like, like takedowns. And I have all the footage and this is how I was trained. So of course I like professional wrestling. And of course I watch, blood and guts in a bathtub this is all from my <laughs> from from trauma from my childhood <laughs> the, uh, the worst I, I look forward to seeing. yeah i'm gonna post it today i, I found the footage i'm looking for the audio but it it, it it it's remarkable the video just don't don't find the audio just do your own commentary over top of the original video on top of it i should do that i should do that i think that's while cool. i'm in the tub while you're in the tub on edibles, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Rewatching that it. needs to be a podcast, Joel. That oh, has to be a podcast. It does. People do listen. I've been saying it for a while. You know that that Monday Night Raw official Twitch podcast that they do, the sidecast. Yeah. Just, it should have just been Alpha Academy in a hot tub for three hours watching Raw talking about it. I'm into Joel, it. Joel, nobody knows about this except for you. You're the only person that watches this thing every week to see if it changes at all, and it doesn't. The only thing that changed this week is that Megan Morant's at home because she donated a kidney, and she still decided to be on the show. Are you kidding me? I didn't know that. Oh, that's unbelievable. Yeah, she donated a kidney, I think, a week or two ago. And then, yeah, and then she was on the sidecast this Monday, and she just looked – I'm not going to say she looked miserable, but but she was just like – she was at home watching Raw, and it was just – very strange and very surreal. She's just hanging out at home watching. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's Unbelievable. what happened. So that's the All right, boys. Thank you, Andrew Zarian, for your... Right, I thank can't you very wait much. To tell... Always a pleasure. Thank you, buddy. Can't wait to tell Goodbye. Tyler Bye, about Joel. this interview. Bye, and... Jeremy.
Bye, buddy. The the headline of this is going to be like dingo crime in New York, edibles and bath watching blood and guts. That's the headline of this interview on the on uh, YouTube. We, we I'm going to tell Tyler to cut it. We got to stop releasing the Andrews Zarian cuts. Of these. We got to do a. Scene. Oh, the Andrews Zarian cuts are fantastic. We gotta, I love Zarian's run-ins. End of the year, we're going to do a super cut of every Andrew Zarian appearance on this show. Unfortunately, oh. that means like the 45 minute collision WBD upfront <laughs> conversation too, <laughs> which like was kind of serious, but kind of not, but shit like this is fantastic. I love it when he pops in. On and we're not going to, we're not going to include like official. That was like an official appearance by Zarian. I don't want to include that. I want to yes. include the run-ins by, by Andrew Zarian. Cause what's funny is, you know, we were talking yesterday off air of like Gisberto does the thumbnails for our interviews and he's if you if you go to fight flover booked if you're here now and you look at the thumbnail for the in the weeds interviews it's all very formatted it's got it, it's starting to be there's some older ones that aren't fully that way but the newer ones it's all very formatted uh layout but the zarian one was created when like he didn't have the formatted layout and it's the like beatles looking thing i don't even know how to describe it um i can maybe pull it up here in a second but I'm going to just keep using that. I don't want a formatted Andrew Zarian thumbnail. Like I want the wackiness of this thumbnail. Here, I have it. I'm, I'm about to upload it and post it. Uh, in oh, the chat. man. Yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do a super cut for sure. Yeah, but it's a fantastic fan. This, so this is the thumbnail for the Andrew Zarian. Like, we got to keep that. That's the Andrew Zarian thumbnail. I don't want the formatted in the weeds. You got the weeds growing next. I don't want that. That that'll always be the thumbnail <laughs> for any Andrew Zarian uh, appearance on this show. Where Look how the- wacky and just like it's perfect, right? Yeah, it is. Wearing the guy from Queen shirt too. <laughs> yeah, like it's freaking perfect. Oh my god! Yeah, that's good. That's what we're gonna do. <laughs> oh, thanks, Andrew, for for popping in for that. <laughs> Always makes these shows more fun. I'll send. I'll send. I'll send Zarian. I'll DM. I'll DM you this thumbnail, Zarian. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, SmackDown's tonight. Rules of engagement. That's going to happen. I'm looking forward to the match at SummerSlam for for Jay and Roman. It's going to be nice to see them do this in front of a crowd. Uh, but like, what what are we going to do tonight? What is this promo? They got to they got to find something to make it, you know, intense, right? I mean, the the story is intense right like that's that's what it is like how are they going to make it any more intense the the man put his brother in a hospital jay uso's super fired up jay uso's got years of abuse and trauma on this i got no worry about them like not making this intense jay last week kicking paul Heyman, beating up solo and everything I'm really looking forward to this segment. I think it's going to be fantastic. The most of these uh, segments between these guys have been fantastic. I think the rules of engagement, I think it's just basically going to be like a no DQ kind of match. Maybe, but maybe it's no DQ, but like we settle it also like men and like no solo. Rochambeau match. Okay. Good. Okay. Yes, right. we're back. So, like a, a no DQ, but no interference as well, which I realize is uh, contradictory. But I, I think that's how you you kind of you kind of do it. That's fine with me. Also, do do a do a Rochambeau match. Just kick each other in the nuts. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I'm I'm fine with that. That's every single wrestling match should just be kicking each other in the dick. That's what the how, whole bloodline story has been. Basically, 
Yeah. So here we are. We're just, we're trying to make it better. Yeah. Listen, when I say like intense, I just mean like the rules of engagement sounds like such a dorky marketing headline. That's like, what it is, just, I know. It's just what they do. Like the civil war for the bloodline. Yeah. That was dorky too. I'm just, I'm going into it being like, I know it's going to be good, but I'm just, I'm laughing at the, the marketing that they're using. David, Spade, I hope David Spade's going to be the moderator for the rules of engagement. <laughs> Uh, here we are, hey, Roman Reigns. You've been uh, holding that show for about three years now. What, uh, what, what are the rules of engagement for this match? I hope Jimmy comes out or Jay comes out with uh, just his list. He's got this list of rules and he hands it to Roman and Roman looks over it. He hands it to the wise man. He looks over it. It's like, doesn't work for me. Nope, not doing that one. All right, that one I can agree to. We, we got to have a negotiation. They have a compromise. Need Michael Scott there with the big book of ne- negotiation compromise there. Like win, 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 lose. Like we need a win, win here for all parties involved. I told you before, before Zarian went on, I, I just want Jay to slap the shit out of this man. Be like, let's, let's go. Let's fight. Like that's the rules. We're just going to fucking throw hands and that's it. Because it's a, what's the, uh, um, the, the, the bit, of, of slapping i don't remember if it was a chris rock bit or a dave Chappelle bit uh i, I think it was a dave Chappelle bit like you slap him like it's disrespectful you just slap person like, i challenge you to a duel like that's just disrespectful right there so i just just a good slap across the face in this segment is why roman shoving him pie face him and jay's just like bop let's fucking go buddy i like the idea of the being given this long sheet of paper with all the rules and then roman reigns pulls out reading glasses and he's just like <laughs> Puts him down at the end of his nose. He's like, okay, let me take a look. Now that's a Heyman. Heyman's got to do that. Heyman's got to do that. I can see. Okay, that's fair. I want to say Roman do it just because it would be like, no, this is stupid. This is, (laughs) I like this one. No, this one's stupid. Wise man, read the rest of them. (laughs) We'll make a choice tonight. And then David Spade is just like, they paid me a lot of money just to be here for nothing. (laughs) Heyman's got to do. Him out of the ring and that's it. Yeah, it's the Rick, it's the Rick James skit, the the challenging to a duel. I, I, as I was, thinking about it it all came back to me i, I referenced dave or uh chris rock uh, earlier not on this show just in life i was referencing a chris rock bit the rules of engagement is that the match at SummerSlam is a lumberjack match but the lumberjacks are all of the referees that have been knocked out by roman reigns in every single oh match. i thought you were gonna say um i thought you were you were gonna say that the the lumberjacks were bloodline like family members no 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 that's overplayed if we're going to use overplayed we're going to use the referees that have been knocked down in every single roman reigns match and they're gonna just like again just like at slammiversary when that one referee was getting you know pie face and treated like garbage and he took off his shirt he's like nah forget this and darren mccarty picked it up those (laughs) that that kind of referee is what we need in this lumberjack match where it's just a bunch of pissed off refs being like unsafe working environments we're going to take off the belts on our pants and we are going to use them as whips as lumberjacks as we are and we'll toss roman back in the ring that's what we do that's the match maybe maybe Ma- maybe no it's maybe. not at all that what are you talking about maybe <laughs> i'm I, look they're not doing this at all i'm saying maybe as like maybe i can get behind this idea oh, okay that's fine yeah no they're not doing this at all absolutely not that's stupid but like maybe i can personally get behind this being an idea 
What if there's no <laughs> then there's no referee for the match? That's the point. Special guest referee, you the fans. They count the three when when the pinfall happens or the ten or whatever. That's been a lot of a lot of uh trust in, in the fans, which yeah. I don't fans know. are gonna fast count Roman. Let's go. <laughs> that can I was gonna make a joke about can Detroit people count to three and ten and all that stuff, but I'm not. I, I like Detroit. I'm not going, but I like Detroit. Better than Hamilton. Better than Hamilton. That was no selling. Yeah, I'm not burying Hamilton for you. I had to do it last night on the post impact show. Why? Anyway, what else? Because it was apparently someone asked in the in the uh, Gravity Q and A oh. about my hatred of Hamilton. So Why are they to, asking them? I don't know because Reg had to bring it up to me on oh. the crossover from ROH to Impact, which is like, <laughs> by the way, if you're ever watching, if you, if you're just watching one, I highly recommend watching the crossover segment that Kate, Reg, Crest, and I do going from ROH to Impact because, like, we we give no f's. We just we just talk. <laughs> it's a good, like 10 minutes. It just, we, we do talk a little bit about like what we liked on ROH, what we liked on impact, but then no, everything else is just a lawless land with no, no backdrops, no nothing, no rules. It's over. And I feel like that's like a video exclusive. You don't really get that with the audio versions unless I decide to add them in. <laughs> what else is happening? <laughs> Go you ahead. Should, you should just have the audio of, um, you should have the like the ROH audio. It has the first bit of the crossover talk, and then it just cuts. And then you you got to do a voiceover of like to hear the rest of this conversation. Tune into the Impact Post Show. I have zero interest in adding <laughs> more audio to what I already do. It's one thing you use the same recording every time. You just place it in there. You don't have to re-record it every time. I put over Ethan Page, by the way, because the smartest thing Ethan Page ever did was get the hell out of Hamilton. Okay, I love you. Why are you so mean about Hamilton? It's just not a good place to be. Anyway, there's uh, a two-hour playlist of the rise of Jay Uso cinema. Is this on WWE's YouTube? Yeah, I'm gonna watch this afterwards. Two hours of that, I okay. Well, anyway, uh, for the United States Championship Invitational, that's the only other thing announced tonight. It's gonna be Rey Mysterio, Sheamus, Cameron Grimes, and LA Knight do the thing. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, they're going to face off in a four-way. Uh, LA Knight going to win, or is Cameron Grimes, Cameron Grimes finally going to get a win on SmackDown? So Santos won last week. Yes. So... This is all leading to the four-way that I assume is for number one contender? No. It's it's Santos against the winner of this. Oh, and, and then, then the winner gets that. Yeah, and then the winner faces Austin Theory. Okay, I see that one. For the Star Spangled title, that's one way of writing it. <laughs> So my point of like, okay, so Santos won. So who makes sense as an opponent for Santos? They're trying to like heal LA Knight for some reason. Like, it's very weird. Okay, but hold on. What if they're actually going to heal Santos Escobar, which is something that I've wanted for a while? What if all of this, like LA Knight beats Santos and Santos just gets so pissed that he starts taking Rey Mysterio? Like he takes out Rey Mysterio being like, you don't believe in us. You don't believe in the LWO. Ah, that's dumb. You know, whatever. Or what I, I I just feel like I feel like Santos is gonna break away soon and do his own thing. It, Ray is the one who did the LWO stuff. He clearly believes in them. No, I don't like that at all. That's a terrible idea. It's probably what's gonna happen because uh, Ray's well, perennial baby face, and they're all just gonna beat up on each other. Maybe Zelina. Who's the who's the champ right now? The who's women's the champ. It's Asuka. awesome. Yeah, and they're gonna do the triple threat, and then I'm trying to think like Zelina Vega on the the heel baby face depth charts. 
she'd probably do better as a heel at this point. Well, Asuka's a heel. But uh, the next champion is probably going to be a baby face. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I just I, I just have this feeling that they're going to turn the LWO against Rey Mysterio. And it'll be, it'll be Santos taking that from, from Rey. And then we can do Santos and Rey on like the SmackDown before SummerSlam. You're wrong. We'll see. I think LA Knight should win. I think he should beat Santos. And then I don't, again, it feels like they're trying to heal this man for some reason, but I think he should beat Ray or beat whoever tonight. Penning Ray is, is fine. That helps set up, set up the Santos match because Santos will have extra motivation to uh, um, get revenge for Ray. But this is where it feels like you're healing LA Knight a little bit because why are you having him pen? a beloved baby face and then another loved baby face in Santos. Regardless, I think LA Knight should win this thing and then he should be the champion. And that that's that like, just, just go with this, please knock off this cool knock off, like trying to cool down LA Knight in any way, just go full bore with this man. I'll be talking about it a lot more tonight because I'm filling in for Kate on the SmackDown post show on Fightful. So it'll be myself and uh, Alex Cardoza talking about SmackDown tonight uh, after SmackDown on YouTube.com slash Fightful. Uh, Death Before Dishonor is also tonight. Uh, we only got a couple minutes left, but uh, really the big news just being the Pac and Claudio is the main event, uh, or at least as of right now, it is the, the main event for the ROH World Championship. Uh, Athena and Willow Nightingale are going to go at it one more time, this time for the Ring of Honor Women's Championship. Uh, our interview with Athena that Sean Ross App did, that dropped today, so go check that out. And uh, is there anything else? <laughs> There's the six-man tag team <laughs> the embassy taking on <laughs> Taguchi, Master Wado, and Leon Ruffin. <laughs> I don't know why we're doing this. It's a match. A lot of these are matches, man. <laughs> a lot of these are matches. A lot of anyway. these are matches. And then, of course, Gravity takes on Commander, so that's going to be a fun match. Uh, the man, dude, Gravity needs to come up to Pac after after their match and be like, remember me? They <laughs> should actually do that. Legitimately, they should do that. That'd be great. Pac wins, the, Pac wins the Ring of Honor World Championship and his immediate first challenger is Gravity. There, I mean, Gravity's got to be Commander and that's not going to happen. No, they, nobody has to beat anybody to get a world title shot. We just proved that with Ring of Honor. Yeah, Pac, Pac yeah. certainly didn't beat anybody. He just got into a fight anyway. And 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 these two, Gravity and Pac, have been in a, a, a you know a hate love friendship for years. So this works. Blood feud. <laughs> Blood feud. <laughs> oh, and then uh, ROH will be fine. I do hope Willow and Athena get the main event spot. That's my my final comment. I hope they get the main event spot. They, yeah. They've earned it. They deserve it. Yeah, would be nice. Again, the, the matches are going to be good. I think most people are just kind of frustrated with the the lack of build to this show. Whatever. We'll all be watching, I'm sure of it, and we'll all be talking about it come Monday when we're back in the weeds. Jeremy Lambert, go ahead, plug all this stuff. Let's get out of here on a Friday. Find me on Twitter at Fight Talk. That is my official Twitter. Please follow Fight Talk underscore. Um, and check out everything else we got going on on Fight Flover Book. New, ex- new episode of Coexisting with Robin Maggie live today at 3 p.m. Eastern. Perfect. Check out all the stuff here on Fightful Overbook. Leave a thumbs up on the way out and also subscribe to us here on the channel because we will we'll get to 100,000. I promise you we will. Uh, once again, thank you to Janai Kai for joining us this morning. It was a really, really fun interview. Thanks to Andrew Zarian for popping in. I am at Joel Pearl, J-O-E-L-P-E-A-R-L. Ladies, gentlemen, friends beyond the binary, enjoy your weekend. We'll be back Monday at 10 a.m. to get in the weeds. Till then, bye-bye.
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.